0: Good evening. I hope you are doing good tonight, and I'm glad you could join us. We're going to be in the book of Matthew tonight, chapter 27, verse 25. Matthew 27, verse 25. This is a passage of scripture that always kind of jumps out to me every time I read through uh, the story of Jesus and his crucifixion, as uh, as that time is leading up where he's going to be nailed to the cross, and he stands this mock trial before his people and they bring him before Pilate to uh, get him sentenced to death as the crowd yells crucify him crucify him and this uh, this particular part of the story always seems to just jump out at me and so we're going to talk about that tonight Matthew chapter 27 verse 25 let's pray then we'll jump in father God we come to you tonight and I thank you for these good words And I pray that Jesus will be lifted up and glorified through what we're going to talk about. God, I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf on the cross so that we could be forgiven. God, I pray that if there's one who is listening tonight that does not know Jesus Christ, that they would come to him and seek forgiveness, that they would be covered by the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of their sins. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 27, verse 25. Now, As I just mentioned, Jesus had been arrested by his very own people, the Jewish people. Uh, These were God's chosen people. Throughout the Old Testament, we see them and the prophets that he had sent to them, prophesying to them about the Messiah who was to come, the one who would come and be the Savior of the world. And Jesus had come onto the scene, and he was an adult now, and he had been preaching for several years at this point, and he was the Messiah that had been prophesied about. But even still, the people who heard him preach and heard him teach and saw the miracles, they wanted to destroy Jesus all the more. And so finally, they, they arrest Jesus. Uh, they make these false claims against him, whatever they can, to try to get him uh, uh, sentenced to death. Their desire is to crucify Jesus. And here in this part of the story, he's standing before Pilate. And they're asking Pilate, look, we want want him crucified. And Pilate questions Jesus and asks Jesus some things. And Jesus doesn't say much back to Pilate. But Pilate can find nothing that Jesus has done that is wrong because there's nothing Jesus has done that is wrong. And so Pilate goes back to the people and he tells the people, he says, look, this man is innocent. There's, there's nothing that he has done, but yet all the while the people are saying, crucify him, crucify him. We, want him. we want him gone. We want him out of here. We want him to be killed. So Jesus washes his hands before the people, excuse me, uh, Pilate washes his hands before the people, and he says, look, well, his blood be on your hands. And in Matthew chapter 27, verse 25, the people respond, And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Here was this crowd who was standing before Jesus, who had done nothing but love them and show compassion to them and feed them and heal their sick and make their lame to be able to walk and cause their blind to be able to see. But yet they are so full of hatred toward Jesus because he doesn't fit their mold of what a religious figure should look like, what the savior of the world should look like. Jesus come preaching and teaching against many of the things that they were doing, on some occasions really calling them out for the things that they were doing. And boy, these people hated Jesus. They would rather continued in their own religious ways, as ungodly as they may have been, than they would have listened to the very one whom God sent, his very only son, Jesus Christ. And boy, they are enraged and they are telling Pilate, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate says, well, let it be done if this is what you want. But I'm washing my hands of his blood. May his blood be on you. And they said, his blood be on us and on our children. Now, I don't know if the people realized what they were saying there or the significance, maybe I should say, of what they were saying and what that significance would mean about the blood of Jesus Christ that would soon be shed, and the fact that it would be on them and on their children. But what way was it going to be on them? Was it going to be in a good sense or a bad sense? Well, that depends on whether or not they were going to repent of their sinfulness and their rejection of Jesus, or whether they were going to continue to live in their sin. And they were going to continue to reject Jesus. His blood be on us and on our children. It wasn't long after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven that his uh, apostles were out preaching and teaching and doing miracles. And in Acts chapter 5, we see Peter and the other apostles standing before the Sanhedrin. Very likely, I would think, some of the same ones that hated Jesus and was sentencing him to death uh, when, when that event occurred. But yet, uh, as the apostles, as Peter and the others are preaching Jesus and doing these miracles, uh, they are in prison for a a miracle that they do. And these people uh, that are in religious leadership, the Sanhedrin, they tell them, look, we don't want you to do anything in the name of Jesus anymore. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 28, it says, Didn't we strictly order you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to bring this man's blood on us. Now the apostles had been preaching and teaching, look, the very one you crucified, you, it was you guys who put Jesus to death. He is the one by who these miracles have been done. The healing that was taking place was coming through Jesus. And even though they had put Jesus to death, Jesus was still alive. He had been resurrected and his power uh, was being shown through his apostles as they were faithfully following him. And they had told this group, look, how did we do these miracles? It was through Jesus, the one you crucified. And boy, they didn't like that. The group, the Sanhedrin, the ones that were these religious leaders of the day, they said, look, you are determined to to put this man's blood on us. And I wonder, I can't help but wonder if any of the ones who were chanting his blood be on us and our children, if any of the ones who yelled that out, I wonder if any of that same group were the ones who were who were angry with the apostles, the very same ones who were angry with Jesus were now angry with the apostles for continuing Jesus' work. And now they're saying, Look, you're trying to put this man's blood on us. But it's clear from the passage in Matthew that many of the people of that day, the religious people, boy, they did not like Jesus. They hated Jesus. And the very ones who said, let his blood be on us and on our children may very well be some of the same ones here who are trying to deny that the blood should be on their hands. Now, when we see the context of these things here, when it talks about blood being on someone, it's saying that you are guilty of something. You are guilty of what has taken place. The the evidence is on your hand. It's, It's clear that you have done what has been done because we see the evidence. In this case, the murderer of Jesus Christ. The blood was maybe not physically on their hands, but it was on their hands in that they were the ones who were behind putting Jesus to death. We see a good example of this in Acts chapter 18, verse 6. In Acts chapter 18, verse 6, we we have a passage here where Paul is preaching to some people, and they're refusing to listen to what Paul has to say. And he says, He says, But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook his robe and told them, Your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And here we see this same idea. Paul says, look, your blood is on your own heads. Why? Because I have spoken to you. I have told you the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is the Savior of the world, that forgiveness comes through no other but Jesus, and you have rejected that. You have rejected that truth. Therefore, when you die and stand before God in judgment and you receive just punishment, it is going to be your fault and your fault alone because you have heard the truth and have rejected it. And so this idea of blood being on someone's hands or on their head is simply saying you are guilty because you have rejected what is good and you have done what is evil. You have rejected truth and accepted a lie. You have rejected Jesus Christ and chosen to live and sin. And those who have made that choice, they will live with that choice, and they are guilty of that choice. It's a choice that they have made, and they will suffer the consequences and punishment because they have willingly, knowingly made that choice to reject the truth and the salvation that comes in Jesus Christ even though we see this language about their blood being on their own hands, maybe in one sense, maybe in the context, it is speaking of the, 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 their guilt for what has taken place in punishing Jesus Christ. But I can't help but think the very thing that they chanted, the very thing that they cheered out, may his blood be on us and on our children. The very thing that they were yelling out in hatred was indeed the very thing that would save them should they come to Jesus Christ, should they turn to Jesus Christ. The very thing that they were yelling out of hatred was the very thing that would save their souls if they would repent, if they would turn to Jesus Christ. The very blood that they were were shedding in hatred, Jesus himself was giving out of love. He was giving himself. He was giving his life. He was shedding his blood because Jesus knew that it was only by his blood, that it was only by his sacrifice, that the very ones who were trying to kill him, it was only by his blood that they could be covered of their sins. I wonder if some of the ones in the crowd that day that yelled, may his blood be on us and on our children. I wonder if some of those recognized the error of their ways, repented of their sins. Later on, they, they, they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ taught, and they saw the light, and they realized, whoa, I am guilty of the sin that put Jesus Christ on the cross. I'm guilty of what took place he gave his life and he gave it for me. And it is by his blood that I am covered. God, forgive me. Lord Jesus, I follow you. Your Lord Jesus, I trust you. Lord Jesus, do cover me with your blood. <clears throat> and I wonder if any of those who were there yelling, may his blood be on us. I wonder if one day his blood was on them. Not in a way that they would be judged and guilty for their sin, but his blood was on them in a way that they would be forgiven of their sins when they came to him and realized that he was the Savior of the world. We have no way to know, but I just wonder if any in that crowd ever really understood the significance of Jesus' blood being on them. Now, we see that all throughout Scripture, that it is by the blood of Jesus Christ that we are forgiven. If you continue reading on in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul is giving some elders, some advice here on what they should do as far as shepherding the flock. And he tells them something that's interesting here at the last part of this verse. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you to as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. It was by the very blood of Jesus Christ that we are allowed to be called sons and daughters of God, that we are children of God, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that our sins are forgiven, that we can call ourselves the church, that we can call ourselves Christians, and we can be one with Jesus Christ. And it's by his blood that we have been forgiven. It's by his blood that we have been redeemed. It's by his blood, Paul says, that we have been purchased. It's the price that was paid for you and I so that we could be forgiven. <clears throat> in 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 it says, "But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sins." Now this is just uh, these are just a couple of examples we see in scripture. The New Testament is full of scriptures telling us that Jesus Christ's blood that was shed on our behalf is how we are forgiven. By being washed by the blood, by accepting that sacrifice, by coming to him and saying, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Will you forgive me? And when we do that, the Bible says that we are made as pure and as white as snow and we are cleansed because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made, because of his blood that was shed that covers us. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, it says, this is Jesus speaking here, In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. Now, Jesus was having a meal with his apostles not long before he was crucified on the cross. It was around the time of Passover a time that Israel was uh, celebrating their deliverance from Egypt and uh, the lamb that was was slain and the blood that was put on the doorpost so that God would pass over and save his people when they were covered by the blood of the lamb. And it's on the uh, anniversary of this event that Jesus sits down for this Passover meal with his apostles. And he says, now, I'm going to drink this wine with you. But he said, look, what we're drinking right now, it represents a new covenant, a better covenant, A covenant that is going to come through me. Jesus Christ says this covenant is going to come through my blood. So when you drink this cup, it is a new covenant that is established by my blood that is shed for you. Jesus was pointing his apostles to that day that was soon coming, when his life would be given, when his blood would be shed. And if we've accepted Jesus Christ today, we are covered by his blood. The question is, how are we going to be covered by his blood? Is his blood going to be on our hands? Are we going to be guilty of the same sin that the the people in Matthew 27 were guilty of? Are we going to be guilty of rejecting Jesus Christ and saying, I don't want anything to do with him? I don't want to listen to him. I don't want to follow him. I don't want to be obedient to him. I don't want to listen to Jesus in any way, and therefore I reject Jesus. Well, that's what this group in Matthew 27 was guilty of. And their blood was on their hands. You see, even though we weren't there that day, even though we didn't nail Jesus Christ to the cross, even though we weren't the ones yelling those words, it's still our sins that put him there. Not just their sins. We may look at the words they yell and say, Oh, those horrible sinners. And they are sinners. And Jesus went to to the cross because of their sin. But he also went to the cross because of your sin and my sin. And even though we may not have been the ones yelling those words that day, it was our sins as well that nailed them to the cross. It is our sins that put him there. It is for our sins that he chose to be there, that he willingly gave his life for us so that we could be forgiven. And one day we're going to stand before God. And on that day, are we going to be guilty of our sin? Is the blood going to be on our hands because of our sinfulness, because of the things that we have done, because of the, the guilt and the filth and the shame of our sinfulness? Is that what we are going to be judged by on the day we stand before God? Are we going to be covered with the very blood of Jesus Christ? The very blood that was shed because of our sins is the very blood that can forgive us of our sins, but we have to come to him. And say Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that it's because of my sin that you gave your life for me. And Lord Jesus, I didn't realize how bad I were, uh, how bad I was, but God, I realize it now. I realize how bad I was and Jesus, how good you are and Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to trust you and I want to put my faith in you and I want your blood to cover me, Lord Jesus, so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be redeemed, so that I can experience salvation through you. The people who stood before Jesus in Matthew 27, they missed who he was. Maybe some of them later on recognized who he was. Maybe they didn't. We have no way to know. But they said, boy, his blood be on us. And even while they uttered those words, they failed to realize that it was the blood that would soon be shed at their request would be the very blood that would save them should they call out to Jesus Christ. And it's the same blood that was shed by Jesus Christ on the cross that will save you and I. But the only way it will save us is if we come to it. We acknowledge our sinfulness and say, Lord Jesus, I repent. I follow you. i put my faith in you and the sacrifice that you gave for me on the cross. And I pray that your blood would cover me and that you would forgive me of my sins. If you haven't done that today, I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll see the truth of Jesus Christ. I hope you won't reject Him as those did so many years ago. But That you would see the blood that was shed. That you would see the man who gave His life for you so that you could be forgiven and that you would follow Him and experience His love and His freedom. I pray that you could come to Him and experience the peace and the joy that He wants to bring. that only comes through the covering of his blood by the sacrifice that he gave on the cross i hope today you're following him let's pray father god we come to you tonight and i thank you for these good words i pray god that we would not miss the truth of jesus christ in these words i pray that we would not be guilty of the same sin that these in this 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 part of the scripture were guilty of that they rejected jesus christ that they turned him away It was because of their sin that he was killed, but God, it was also because of our sin that he was nailed to the cross. So God, help us not to fail to realize the significance of that. God, I pray that you would just help us to uh, never forget what Jesus did, that he freely did it for us, that he gave his life for us so that we could be forgiven. If there's one that doesn't know that truth, that's never followed him, I pray that tonight that they would. And I pray that we would come to you, dear Lord, and we would know that our sins have been covered, that we have been redeemed, that we have been saved through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you're glorified in the reading of your word tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.